Greetings. This is the third in a series of four podcasts on the topic of popular music in Central Europe, produced for the Wirth Institute for Austrian and Central European Studies at the University of Alberta. My name is Alexander Carpenter, and I'm the new director of the Institute and a musicologist with a specialization in early 20th century Austrian art music, but also popular music. As I've noted in previous podcasts, I don't have much experience with or expertise in the area of Central European pop music, so preparing these podcasts has been an opportunity for me to learn some new things, and I hope you may have learned something new too. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Today, I want to speak briefly about the genres of punk and heavy metal in Central Europe, focusing on Poland and Slovenia. I'll be brief so that you have time to listen to some of the music under discussion via the links provided. First, I want to make sure it's clear what I'm speaking about in this podcast. What do I mean by punk and heavy metal? Punk may require little or no introduction, but I'll provide some backstory just in case. I think that when we call punk to mind, what we envision is the genre at its apogee in Britain around 1977 or 1978. Perhaps we think of sneering young Britons with spiked hair and ripped clothing. Perhaps we hear fast, aggressive rock music inspiring fans to smash into each other when they dance and to even spit on their favorite bands. For many of us, it is the era of the dreaded Sex Pistols, led by Johnny Rotten, spewing vulgarities while his bandmates, some of whom can barely play their instruments, generate a cacophony that barely resembles music. Rotten sang of anarchy and no future for England's youth, confirming that punk was a nihilistic musical movement that rejected tradition and sought to destroy bourgeois culture. Fair enough, but punk's roots go deeper. What became UK punk began in the United States and can be traced back to bands like the MC5, Iggy and the Stooges, and the Ramones, in essence garage bands in the underground rock scene of the late 60s and early 70s, playing simple, sped-up rock, and employing a do-it-yourself ethos, self-promoting, releasing music independent of major record labels, playing in underground venues, and generally evincing an anti-establishment philosophy. The music was stripped down harsh, and often downright ugly. At this time, the early to mid-70s, Punk was not a homogenous musical style as much as a generic term for an underground scene, and especially the scene in New York City. Linking the US and the UK was the British empresario Malcolm McLaren, who had managed glam rock bands in New York before returning to London. In London, from his base in his notorious boutique Sex, McLaren would create the Sex Pistols, and would cleverly and effectively market the band as the leaders of a new and angry youth movement that asserted its hatred of the establishment in older generations. The Pistols, along with other influential bands like The Clash and The Damned, became infamous, infuriating the establishment media, and goading censors while topping the charts with inflammatory singles about anarchy, abortion, concentration camps, and social disobedience. Ultimately, punk would collapse quickly, Under the weight of its own pretensions, the Pistols and The Clash had, by the end of 1977, both signed lucrative contracts with major record labels. Punk had become mainstream fashion, and critics were already proclaiming the movement was dead. Celebrated as a pure kind of music, a grassroots youth movement raging against economic disenfranchisement and social ills, punk was also a highly artificial construct, a cynical, money-making franchise masterminded by McLaren. 
Musically, punk was arguably even less of a revolution, drawing as it did on the simple rhythms and chords of early rock. But the notion of punk rock remains and has certainly captured the popular imagination. Punk stands for an aggressive resistance to the status quo, for the celebration of the maladaptive outsider, and for the raw, unfiltered expression of emotion through music. Heavy metal is likewise a somewhat fraught term. It seems to have been first used by music journalists in the early 1970s. The formative bands of the genre, as the musicologist Dino Weinstein notes, come from the UK and the United States, usually the bands Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, and to a lesser extent Led Zeppelin are counted among the earliest metal groups, even if that distinction doesn't fully apply. The genre fragmented in the later 1970s, as Weinstein observes, and it's influenced by British punk at this time to become faster. Through the 1980s, metal subdivides into almost countless subgenres, growing out of the classic metal of the 1970s to form light metal, power metal, thrash metal, metalcore, death metal, and so on. These subgenres are subtly defined in part by a band's looks, the speed at which they play, the themes of the lyrics, and the extent to which influence from other genres is admitted. Metal or heavy metal is characterized broadly as an aggressive, uh, aggressively male musical genre, featuring long-haired musicians and music that comprises heavily distorted virtuosic guitars, powerful drums, including the use of a double kick or double bass drum, intense vocals that are often either screamed or growled, and lyrical themes that run the gamut from fantasy and neo-psychedelia to sex, the occult, and religion. The differences between metal's many subgenres are too fine-grained to discuss here, but a key observation Weinstein makes is that as the metal genre fragments, it also begins to spread around the world. Last week, we discussed hip-hop as a global phenomenon, a diasporic genre that has spread around the world and that has adapted itself to new locales and contexts. I think we could say the same about both punk and metal, which have likewise become increasingly globalized and, while recognizably linked to their roots in the UK and the USA, also changing and evolving in new circumstances. Weinstein argues that metal is a truly globalized music, not seen as belonging to a specific culture despite its Anglo-American origins, a music without borders. She contrasts this with punk, which she sees as a nationalistic movement firmly rooted in the UK and its socio-political context, I think she's quite wrong in this respect. Punk, much like hip-hop, seems to me to be a genre that from the beginning has been readily exportable and adaptable to virtually every continent. As I hope we'll see in the remainder of this short podcast, punk and metal in Central Europe certainly respond to and reflect their unique circumstances. Punk took root in Eastern and Central Europe by the later 1970s. There were punk bands forming in East Berlin, Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia between 1977 and 79, and punk was even penetrating into the Soviet Union. Warsaw was a particularly important city for the establishment of punk in Central Europe with formative European punk progenitors like um, the German singer Nina Hagen getting their musical starts there, and Polish musicians drawing from UK punk bands like The Clash for influence. 
Poland in the late 70s and the early 80s provided challenges for punk bands that were quite different from their British and American counterparts, especially with respect to access to resources. Another key difference between Polish punk and UK punk was that Polish punk did not have the same commercial explosion that it did in England, retaining much of the genre's original do-it-yourself ethos in terms of the dissemination of music um, through recordings and gigs. Polish punk bands were also under political pressure from the state and were heavily censored. In all, the early Polish punk scene was a curious situation politically. Like UK punk, the Polish punk movement was anarchic, that is, expressing anti-system views and aligning itself with um, anti-Soviet, anti-communist political activism. But it was also beholden to the state, which sometimes provided support for some bands and for the large music festivals that were key to the spread of punk, especially in the mid-1980s. Punk in Poland was staunchly anti-communist, but also leftist, creating further dissonance within the movement. And even more curious, as an anti-government musical movement, Polish punk found itself in bed, so to speak, with a disparate coalition of activists, from the Catholic nationalists to the worker solidarity movement to neo-situationists and anarchists. Bands representative of the early punk explosion in Poland included Deserter, who sound a little like the UK punk band Crass, to my ears, and Armia, which formed in the mid-80s and has remained active into the 21st century. The band's sound evolving from punk to hardcore punk to a punk new metal hybrid. Slovenia also played a role in the spread of punk in Central Europe. Punk came to Slovenia relatively early, with the first punk concert in Ljubljana in 1977. Between the late 70s and the mid-80s, a robust punk subcultural scene developed in tandem with the underground art scene. The situation for punk musicians in Slovenia was somewhat different uh, than in uh, Eastern Bloc countries. Yugoslav punk rockers enjoyed more artistic freedom and greater access to the West. Oskar Mulier in his study of the Ljubljana punk scene, goes so far as to claim that the flourishing punk in the city uh, in the early mid-80s was responsible for triggering Ljubljana's golden age of the 1980s and for helping to make it a flourishing urban center. Mouillet identifies a strong sense of apathy among youth in Ljubljana in the later 70s, which he attributes in part to a culture largely in conformity with the ideology of the state. Punk seems to have ridden the wave of a growing social and economic crisis in the later 1970s, giving voice to the dissatisfaction of Slovenian youth, with the band Pankti performing its first gig in 1977, a band sonically reminiscent of the Sex Pistols and the Damned, and offering oblique social commentary and critique. As Ljubljana's punk subculture grew, it spawned a wave of bands that included Bulldogi, Kuzle, and Kuga, whose aesthetic influences ran the gamut from classic punk to thrash to post-punk experimentation. As the scene grew, it increasingly gained attention from the authorities who persecuted punk musicians as counter-revolutionaries. However, as Mulier notes, a key difference between this early Slovenian punk and UK punk was its fundamentally apolitical nature. Bands expressed nihilistic attitudes towards everyday life and society, but assumed a detached, anti-political stance that rejected the possibility of politics making any meaningful or positive changes in society. Sticking with Slovenia, the country's hard rock scene of the early 1970s also gave birth to heavy metal, 
The first Slovenian metal band, Pomerancha, formed in 1979. Its 1980 EP, Nikkei Petlensky, offers a dog's breakfast of influences, sounding at times like hard rock, progressive rock, and light metal, channeling by turns Black Sabbath, Kiss, Judas Priest, and Queen. Consumers had ready access uh, in Slovenia to a wide range of Western recordings of commercially successful metal groups like ACDC, Iron Maiden, and Motorhead, and these groups also performed in the country. While in major urban centers, like Ljubljana, um, punk was dominant, but metal followers were steadily growing. Slovenian metal groups struggled to record and disseminate their music in large part because it had such limited commercial viability. And while Western metal was very popular, homegrown music, homegrown metal music, was not. <clears throat> the first wave of Slovenian heavy metal was influenced by classic UK hard rock and metal bands. The second wave in the early 80s was shaped by the faster, more aggressive thrash metal bands like Metallica, Megadeth, and Anthrax coming out of the United States. Bands like Pragvald, Interceptor, an endemic zone began to emerge from smaller towns outside of the urban centers, also reflecting the increasing fragmentation of the metal genre, reflecting elements of speed metal, doom metal, and other subgenres. An additional important in development in the mid-80s onward was a shift to singing in English, as early metal bands all sung in Slovene. The ongoing splintering of the metal genre, along with crossover trends with other genres, including industrial music and grunge, gave rise to the chart-topping group Noctiferia in the early 90s and early 2000s, a band that blends black metal and death metal with more complex harmonies and arrangements. At the extreme end of things, representing so-called extreme metal, is the well-known group Godsguard from Kranje. Hallmarks of these genres um, is the use of a double bass drum, very clearly audible in the links provided as the bass drum track sits in the foreground of the recording. And the function here is to intensify the rhythmic foundation of the music. In Poland, uh, as Anna Piotrowska notes, popular music has long been influenced by Western musical trends, but also shaped by the context of a communist society and culture industry that did not make hard distinctions between pop music genres until the 1990s, while there has been a metal scene in Poland since the 1980s, it really flourished in the 90s with the establishment of Poland as a democratic state. At the same time, uh, same time as Piotrowska demonstrates, Polish metal began to incorporate distinctly Slavic elements. The band Behemoth, formed in 1991, was an early metal band to feature Slavic-themed lyrics and Slavic symbolism and to break out and become successful in the West. And the band remains active today. Curiously, metal, which is not usually afforded much cultural or intellectual significance in the West, was adopted by the cultural intelligentsia in Poland in the 90s. Groups, metal groups sang in Polish. They sang about Polish heritage, and they used the genre as a means to modernize the sound of Polish popular music. The anti-Christian, pagan content of lyrics and images used in Polish metal have, of course, brought some prominent musicians associated with the genre into conflict with religious authorities in the state. In early 2021, Behemoth's frontman, Nurgle, was convicted in court of offending religious feelings in Poland.
Punk and metal, especially metal, are two genres that are very difficult to survey in a short podcast, given their diffusion and fragmentation, and the fact that both genres have been part of Central European popular culture for at least four decades. As I noted earlier in this podcast, there were and are robust punk and metal scenes throughout Central Europe, and many fascinating instances of tension and negotiation between the Anglo-American origins of these genres and the new linguistic, ethnic, and political contexts in which they find themselves. Next week, for the final podcast in this series, I will plan to talk about pop music and gender in Central Europe. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned.